AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by Reality Sports Online. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. And I'm joined, as always, by Pat Fitzmorris at Fitz underscore FF. Pat, how you doing, my friend? Bogman, I'm doing great. I mean, it's draft week. It's Christmas Eve, basically. The, the chestnuts are roasting, man. I'm giddy. I cannot oh. wait for this. So. Ready. I like if they could just give me one more month to get ready, I think I'd be perfectly fine, but we're going to go. <laughs> we're going to go on Thursday. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about our final top ranks at the top ends of the uh, skill positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end, and get into all that. But before we get into that, I got to tell you, we got a giveaway for a DK Metcalf autograph jersey we're doing right now here at Fantasy Pros. Will S. from Maryland won this uh, autographed jersey for from Javante Williams last week. All you need to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Take a screenshot and submit it to fantasypros.com slash dynasty contest. That's fantasypros.com slash dynasty contest. And you are entered in to win. Do it as soon as possible because this contest does end at the end of the month here. Get in as soon as you can. And just a reminder for everyone, this podcast and all other Fantasy Pros podcasts can be found at youtube.com slash fantasypros, as well as quick-hitting um, videos, live streams. And don't forget, Fantasy Pros will be hosting a live stream for days one and two of the NFL Draft. That is going to start at 7 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. Pat, you're not going to be in that because you're going to be in Vegas at the Draft, right? I am, Bogman. I've never been to an NFL draft before. Ooh. I have been to Vegas a few times before. Um, but mm -hmm. the blend of an NFL draft in Vegas is just irresistible. And some friends and I had plans to do this immediately before the pandemic hit. We were uh, in Vegas for a friend's trip like two weeks, I think, before COVID hit. And uh, talking about how giddy we were. And all of a sudden, it went from being excited about a draft mm -hmm. in Vegas to not leaving our house for months. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, this this is... Uh, 
a long-awaited event, and I'm just so fired up about it. It's Count me in as one of the people that was going to go to the previous Vegas draft because I was actually making plans. I'd called a bunch of my buddies. We had uh, talked about some hotels and stuff. I was going to book that last weekend before COVID hit. And then uh, obviously didn't end up booking anything because, like you said, we couldn't do anything. And we did that entire draft from Roger Goodell's basement or whatever it was. That was um, definitely a weird one. But back at it, you know, going to have a full crowd. I'm sure that people are going to act like COVID doesn't exist in Vegas, but it's going to be a great, great time for you. But let's get into this. Let's talk about our final kind of top end ranks here pre-draft. Now, of course, these will change wildly. You know, I've said it here. And I know uh, my buddy, the Welsh gets annoyed with me. I don't like ranking players before the draft because team context means so much, but I mean, we all have an opinion on these guys, right? I may not be a scout. You're not a scout, but we know we've, we've seen this a time or two, you know, uh, we've been watching the NFL for a long time, Pat, a little bit longer than me. Cause of course he's a little bit older than me, right? Of course, a little more experienced than me, but, but not much. I don't think you're actually that much older than me, but um, you know, uh, this is, it's going to be a great time and we all have our opinions. So let's just start a quarterback where there is no consensus at all whatsoever when it comes to, you know, this draft class and the QBs, this is this is what makes this draft the wild, wild west. You know, there's no consensus at quarterback, which is just super rare. Most of the time, like last year, everyone knew Trevor Lawrence was going to be the number one guy. That was that. Now, the, the second, third guy, we didn't know, but we were pretty sure it was going to be Zach Wilson. And then third, you know, we heard Mac Jones and it was Trey Lance. So in this draft class, it really is wild. We don't know who the number one pick is going to be because Jacksonville is completely dysfunctional. Um, you know, we thought it was going to be, uh, Aiden Hutchinson the whole time. Now that we're a couple days away from the draft, it has come down to, you know, uh, now it's Trayvon Walker because apparently Aiden Hutchinson played for Michigan and bulky and Jim Harbaugh hate each other so much that bulky doesn't want to make a Michigan man. The number one guy, Jim Harbaugh today on the radio said, I hope he stays in the great state of Michigan to play football because he doesn't want Aiden Hutchinson going to play for Balky's organization. The petty is all over the place. Uh, so let's just talk about that first before we kick this off. This is going to be one of the wildest drafts. I feel like that we've ever seen. Most teams have only 18 to 15 guys ranked as first round draft prospects. So Pat, I mean, we're going to see a lot of trading up to begin this, right? You would think, um, I think the over-under on number of trades in the first round was five and a half on DraftKings early this week. Those and yeah, so um, I do think you're right, Bugs. Like it is a draft with a lot of second and third rounders. And some of those guys are going to be kicked up into the first round. Um, we probably, we've talked about this. We don't know if there's really a quarterback we think deserves to go in the first round. Right. Um, you know, Malik Willis certainly has the potential if he pays off and hits his ceiling to make an NFL team grateful they took him in the first. But, you know, there's also a a, a fifth round, a day three floor there, too. So there's also no consensus at offensive tackle. Right. Um, yeah. It seems like the only position where there is a consensus that this is the number one prospect at this position is safety. Uh, with Kyle Hamilton and maybe linebacker with Devin Lloyd. 
Um, even though I've seen some places have Nicobe Dean ranked higher than him, even though his it seems like Lloyd is definitely a first rounder and Nicobe Dean is kind of on the bubble as far as going in the first round. But let's get to these quarterbacks, Pat. And we both have the same guy ranked number one. Not a surprise to anyone. You already mentioned his name. Malik Willis is our number one QB. He offers the most ceiling, which is why I like him. I know our boy Thor Nystrom has him as his number one overall player on his big board, comparing him to Mike Vick, which is a big time comparison. I don't know. I don't know if I go on that far of a limb for Malik Willis, but I, I I'm, he would be his own tier to me. Or, or if we're tiering these guys out, is it Malik Willis in his own, or would you put someone in there with him? No, I think he would be his own tier too. I know that in the NFL, they seem to have it as a Willis Pickett tier. Yeah. And I, I don't feel the same way about Kenny Pickett, maybe that some of the NFL scouting community does. What about you? No, well, look, I and I'll just jump into our two and three because I think this is the same range. I have Kenny Pickett, you have Sam Howell, you have Pickett at three, I have Howell at three. So my reasoning for this of having Pickett at two and Sam Howell at three is that it was one of the more recent things that I read. And it was that it was an article from The Athletic, I forget, was it Bob McGinn? Maybe it was uh, he who wrote it, but... Um, he talked to a bunch of scouts, right? It might've been Dane Brugler. Uh, it was a bunch of scouts and it seemed like Sam Howell just in terms of skill was the number one QB, but a lot of teams didn't like him because they said, you're not going to hear him in the locker room, which is not something you want from your quarterback at all. You want a fiery leader. Pickett is that fiery type of leader. I know a lot of people take umbrage with, you know, the fact that it took him to his senior year to play his best football. In my opinion, why do we care? about anything before last season when it comes to these guys we want the polish and the last season is the most polished sam howell took a step back not his fault at all i think skill wise i think he is better than kenny pickett but if you're not going to be that locker room guy you're not going to be that leader i don't know i think that sam howell could be a guy that drops a day two and you know from watching drafts and, and seeing this process for a long time there is a difference in mentality for a guy that is drafted in the first round versus a guy that is drafted in the second round. Nobody cares. If you're not a first-round QB, nobody really cares. You have to make your success early, and you can't waver from that. If you're a first-round guy, you get a lot of excuses. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky is getting another shot. Marcus Mariota is getting another shot. Carson Wentz has had an unbelievable amount of shots here because these are first-round guys drafted in the first round, so the NFL just views him differently. I think Sam Howell does have a chance to slip to that second round, and if that happens in the NFL is going to view him differently. Uh, but I do like how better as a prospect, a pure player, but that fire, that energy, you're getting that from Pickett. You're not getting it from Hal. So um, what is it about how that you see him and you, you put him just over Kenny Pickett? So it is the age thing Boggs. And I'm going to push back on, on what you said there and, and that we should only look at the most recent year of production for me. I think um, aside from, the fact that there have been, I think, studies and research done into this, that the the early declares have more success, the guys with the early breakout age do have more success. And just the fact that Pickett did not do anything exceptional until he was this older fifth-year senior, and he is basically competing against guys much younger than, than him. Like the, mm -hmm. the guys playing defense against him are just simply younger players. And I mean, it's kind of the same thinking that 
you're not impressed by an eighth grader in Pop Warner who, <laughs> who is able to dominate against sixth graders. Now, granted, of course, that age significant melts away the older you get. And by the yeah. time you get to the NFL, it doesn't matter because you're in against a, a much broader age pool. And, you know, in adulthood, the physical differences sort of, you know, disappear. But in college, it's it's been proven that the guys with the earlier breakout age are the better bets to succeed in the NFL. And that's what we saw with Howell coming in as a freshman at North Carolina and having instant success against older players yeah. in a Power 5 conference. So I just think, and we've talked about this, Boggs, like I'm very agnostic about this quarterback class, pessimistic pessimistic and agnostic like after the first <laughs> uh after willis i'm i'm kind of like you can lump the other guys in and uh throw them all together but i think howell is just the the slightly better bet because of that early breakout age in college now um uh, sam, sam howell um right now is going off if you just look the first qb selected it is malik willis at minus 190 then it's Kenny Pickett at plus 170. Desmond Ritter is plus 1,000. Corral's plus 1,800. Sam Howe plus 4,000. That So the second round thing doesn't bother you uh, at all? No, and I think his, I can't remember where his over-under was on DraftKings. And I actually did bet the over for Howe. I think it's like 47 or late 40s. And I, I bet over. I think he's going to get drafted later than that. But yeah. even though I think Pickett, is going to be a first rounder and it would be shocking if he weren't, I'm still going to have Howell ranked ahead of them unless like the landing spots are so stuck. Yeah. Like, even for dynasty, it's not how much are you going to care Bogman? If like the guy has an immediate chance to play, because some of these guys are probably, going I actually to go... don't really want any of these guys to start immediately. You know, yeah. you, you want them all to get a little seasoning, I think. And that, that oh, and that's what makes this draft class dicey. Like if Seattle drafts Malik Willis, that is a dicey spot because Pete Carroll has no qualms or issues or problems with, you know, letting a young guy start. We saw that with Russell Wilson versus Matt Flynn, who they paid a bunch of money to. So if they do draft Malik Willis week one, starting for him, uh, is definitely a possibility. And I think he would smoke Drew Locke in any type of competition. It could be really good. You know, maybe he gets around professional players. They make him look better. You know, uh, you know, the rising tide raises all the boats, all that, all that uh, good old stuff, but it could be overwhelming for him too, uh, because he didn't really know. He, di he didn't really run a lot of great scheme at Liberty. You know, he was more of a playmaker with his legs and stuff. So that could get real dicey. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the the rest of our QB ranks here, just to end out our top five, uh, you have how uh, Willis, Howell, Pickett, then Ritter and Corral. Uh, I we the only thing we have flipped here is uh, I have Pickett and then Howell because I also have Ritter at four and Matt Corral at five. Um, are Ritter and Corral kind of a coin flip to you, or do you like Ritter way more than Corral? A little more than uh, Corral, just because of the rushing ability Bogman. yeah it's um i mean that's it the fact that he ran what a four six at the combine like there is some serious konami code potential there so when you have doubts about both of them as a passer uh it's easy to take the guy who has like tangible rushing upside right yeah matt corral might have a little too much fire you know he might be yes. the opposite of sam Howell. that guy is rowdy 
So, which a lot of guys will call immature. A lot of scouts will call immature and all that stuff. Uh, you know, you, everyone knows the story of getting in a fight with Wayne Gretzky's kid. And <laughs> you cross the Gretzky like, family, Bogman. That's right. You, you don't do that. The Gretzky's. You, you don't. You don't cross royalty in sports, right? I mean, whatever. <laughs> but uh, that is, um, you know, that that has been the thing with Matt Corral. I think um, those are both guys that you want to see sit. I think Detroit would be a great landing spot for either one of those those dudes um, because you get to sit and you're behind Jared Goff and you're not asked to do anything immediately because the Lions really like Jared Goff from what everything we've been hearing, which is to me a complete smokescreen. Uh, you know, you give your starting quarterback a little bit of a pat on the back, a little bit of a bonus, right? By saying, we love you. Uh, we're we're uh, on board with you, Jared Goff, and also saying, hey, we're probably not trading for a QB, so you don't need to trade uh, one spot in front of us and snap one up because we're not going to take one. So I would really not be shocked now. But of course, you could talk yourself in circles with these smoke screens, right? Uh, we're just waiting to see uh, what horrible thing comes out before the NFL draft because it seems to happen to one or two prospects every single year. Of course, we remember the Laramie Tunsil thing, right, where he was uh, smoking out of a mask bong or something that someone posted the video the day of the draft when we saw him slip. You know, he was supposed to be a top 10 pick down to like 18 or wherever he was selected. So uh, little things like that are, are coming out. But um, in a first-year uh, rookie draft, so Malik Willis, uh, let's just say no one's probably starting this year. Is this the or same order that you're drafting them in? Or is there, if a guy is going to seemingly get to a job quicker, are you going to, can anyone move ahead of Malik Willis if they look like they're going to be starting day one? Not for me. Not me for neither. Me. Uh, the rest of these guys, though, I think, I would be able to jumble them all up based on who's going to start first. Is is that where you're at with them as well? Yeah, it is, Boggs. And and maybe that influences where dynasty managers are willing to take these guys in drafts. Because like, let's say you're sitting at the end of the first round in a dynasty league. That means you were, you know, won the title or were close to it the previous year. And you're probably uh, still looking at an open championship window. And you're maybe looking for a guy who plays right away. So I think a lot of these guys behind Willis, uh, especially Howell Ritter and Coral, are going to be going in super flex leagues late in the first round or at the very top of the second round. Yeah. I think practical for practical purposes, these guys are probably more useful to the guys picking early in the second round because those guys are the teams that finished at the bottom of the league the year before getting those right. early picks unless, you know. People trade picks, of course, so different people have claims to those picks. But do for the you most guys part, use uh, in, in your dynasty leagues? Do you do the like the the NFL draft style where if you pick one in round one, you're also picking one in round two, or does yes. it snake for you guys? And no snake NFL draft no snake? style. Okay, yeah. I think ours mainly do snake, uh, but but I mean because that's interesting because you can take those two high picks and trade up to get you know, uh, more, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it depends on how your, uh, league works there, but yeah, that, I mean, that's an interesting super flex is definitely, you know, all of these guys could be starting as, as soon as next year. And, um, I mean, all of them could be picked in the first round. It wouldn't be that shocking. You know, uh, Air, Andrew Erickson has made the point a lot of times, um, this season that, uh, teams might want to trade up to get a QB in that, first round because you then have the fifth year option to keep them. Yes. Most QBs, if they're good, 
are going to be extended before that fifth year. So taking them in the second round isn't that much of a, isn't as big a deal as maybe people make it out to be. But I still think that it is definitely in some teams' plans, especially teams that could be bumping up against that cap. So yep. that's why that, I, ex- I expected see Detroit take a quarterback at the very end of the third round. And I wouldn't be surprised if someone came in and tried to jump them maybe with Cincinnati at number 31 and try yeah. to grab a quarterback ahead of. That's why uh, they're sending out those smoke signals of we're not yes, taking a QB because yes. we love Jared Goff. Like anyone believes that, right? <laughs> um, what are there any other QBs deeper than the top five? Cause this is kind of the consensus. This is any list you you're going to get unless it's Matt Waldman's, of course, these are going to be your top five guys. Are you in on Carson Strong or uh, E.G. Perry or Zappi or Thompson or any of the other QBs here? I can't quite go with uh, Matt Waldman on Skylar Thompson, but uh, Carson Strong, I agree. And and Matt likes Carson a lot. And I know our own uh, Bo McBrayer at Fantasy Pros just profiled him for our, our Dynasty draft kit and was high on him and referred to him as the dollar store Dan Marino. He's got that, (laughs) that arm strength, that lack of mobility. Yeah. I mean, I like that line a lot. Like the injury is a concern. I mean, he basically played one leg at his last year at Nevada and we are maybe going to see what sort of concern NFL teams have about that injury based on where he is drafted. But he's a really interesting guy because he, Although he is not a runner at all, um, Waldman talked about him being very Philip Rivers like or, right. or Brett Favre like as a guy who is not going to get you rushing yardage, but can move around and avoid taking kill shots in the I pocket. Mean, Brady doesn't run. Greatest right. quarterback of all time is not a runner. So, right. you know, uh, it can work. Uh, it's harder to work but it can work being an, an immobile guy. You saw Ben, no one would ever call Ben Roethlisberger a runner, but he had enough to wiggle his way out of situations. He's also so gigantic that nobody could pull him down. Uh, you know, that, that was a part of it, but Carson Strong's a big dude too. So, uh, and he's got a, a cannon, which is always nice. Uh, I, I don't think I would put him in the group with those guys. I think I would have, um, you know, Strong and Thompson and zappy ahead of him but i like ej perry a little bit uh out, out of brown the guy he backed up at boston college couldn't start there phil Dracovic uh was a starter uh transferred and, and played at brown and uh his, his film is pretty decent i think he could end up being a long-term backup smart guy uh for a team that you know could spot start here or there if there's an injury prone guy but we're gonna go to running backs but before we do i gotta tell you guys about reality sports online by now most of you have probably heard of reality sports online the powerful fantasy uh, sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an nfl general manager but the question is have you tried it it's time to go see what all the buzz in the dynasty community is about free agency multi-year contracts a rookie draft multi-team trades franchise tags contract extensions first round rookie options automated contract and salary cap functionality and much much more i think it sounds complicated it's not the best thing about reality sports online fantasy front office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league uh it's just requires more strategy that is it think you're among the fantasy elite well use this platform to test your metal still not sure you can test your general manager skills for free FRWE in a mock free agency auction right now if you like what you see use the promo code fantasy pros to receive a 10 percent discount on your team or league today 
fantasy just got real at realitysports.com. All right, moving over to RBs, Pat. We've got the same top four, which is somewhat surprising. Uh, not that surprising because the top two are kind of easy. It's what order do you have them in? It's Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. Uh, one, two, they're their own tier, period, end of story, correct? Yes, yes. And By big gap between those two and anyone else. If you're a betting man, Brees Hall, uh, Brees Hall is the only guy I think uh, right now. I mean, obviously anything could happen. We've already talked about how this is a wild, wild west. But Brees Hall is the only running back that has a possibility to go in the first round, right? It looks that way, yeah. Would you bet I on, mean, unless would you, would you bet on him going? Not in the first round. Um, I think at one point, like I know Andrew Erickson's got him mocked there, but um, I think like, I'm get I'm think I'm getting there with Erickson because uh, Bean came on the GM came on and said, "Yeah, we have no qualms with drafting a running back in the first round if if that's the position you need." That now that that it seems weird, it seems smoke signally, right? Like they want somebody to trade in front of them. And that's fine because we want the defensive player. We want the corner, whatever it is anyway. But I almost feel like this is like Najee last season. Remember Najee? It was like, oh, what's Pittsburgh going to do? Are they going to take an offensive lineman? Are they going to take Najee? Blah, 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 blah. Um, and it was kind of from ownership in Pittsburgh. You got to take a, a running back. And they ended up taking Najee. This seems like this is their biggest need on offense. You know, offense is the thing that runs the NFL right now. So I kind of, I think I like the mock spot of Brees Hall going to Buffalo. It's a very interesting possibility. It would be a lot of fun. I would have a big smile on my face if it happened, Bogman. But I guess the reason I kind of think it won't is that, number one, Bean is sort of a big analytics guy, and all the analytics say don't take a running back in the first round. That's true. And second of all, like, they need a cornerback pretty badly with, uh, you know, um, Tredavious White coming off surgery and uh, they lost oh, Levi Wallace. Levi yeah. Wallace. Thank you. And things fall off a little more precipitously at cornerback, I think, than they do at running back. Like you're still going to be able to get a good running back if, uh, you know, the Bills decide to, to button up and wait until the second round. Hell, they might get Kenneth Walker in the second round. If they just yeah. stay put, like I, I kind of think that it's going to be both of those guys going in the second and maybe just those two. And then after that, man, like all bets are off about who goes where. Yeah. Yeah. It is the, the RBs are definitely going to be wild, wild west. Let's talk about Kenneth Walker a little bit just to uh, get his name in here. Uh, the Michigan state product. Uh, I, the, the reason I like him is, and I would really love to see him go to a team in a good offense. You know, Atlanta is an option. Houston is an option. I feel like I would like him better. Um, it, you know, it, for a team like, uh, Cincinnati or Baltimore where, where there's already a guy there, but this is going to be your fourth quarter guy, your home run hitter, your closer, really uh, in a team like that. Of course, there are more carries available and other scenarios. But I think Kenneth Walker is going to be the guy to, if there's a guy in front of him, unless his name is Derek Henry, he's probably going to be able uh, to step in and take the bigger role uh, of most of the other backs here. Not very much used in a receiving position at all uh, in college, but they had some rough QBs in Michigan State who had a hard enough time throwing the ball to the whiteout. So they weren't uh, taking a ton of checkdowns to the RB here. So he's a little bit of a 
body catcher needs to work on his routes and his hands a little bit, which makes Brees Hall the more complete player. But I, I do think Kenneth Walker has more upside. Yeah. Um, that's a, I'm not sure that I, I have a hard time differentiating between Hall and Walker as far as who okay. has more upside. Like for me, it's, uh, I like both guys a lot. There's not a lot separating them. I mean, I might flip flop them depending on landing spots. One thing that I know Waldman made clear in his scouting report with Walker, he talked about scheme versatility. So I think he could fit into a number of spots and he might fit into one of those teams where like we aren't necessarily going to see it coming with a running back needy team. It might be a team that feels like they're already in pretty good shape at running back, but then they add Walker to the room and hey, now we're we're really loaded with a, a two or three pronged attack. And so, um, yeah, I, I like that's the thing, Bogman. Like, it's Did so your skin unpredictable. Just crawl when I said Cincinnati, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the mix and not me so much because I don't think I have Mixon on any any of my dynasty rosters right now. But right. man, all the Mixon stakeholders would not be happy about that. Oh yeah, I mean, and I, I, don't care. I do have a, Oklahoma. I'm not a fan. So yeah, I do have a Chris know. Evans share that I would be pretty much lighting mm. on fire at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, I'm not saying that Houston or Atlanta would be bad for him. They would be good, uh, great spots for him because he would you know, get the ball so much. But, you know, the teams that are bad right now are almost are so bad that it's hard to imagine them spending a second or third round draft pick on a running back, which is why we're having a difficult time mocking these guys, these running backs. You know, we could get. Uh, four running backs drafted in the first two days, and then everybody else goes rounds, you know, four through seven on day three. So, um, which are you, are you going to be there for all three days? Are you going to be there we for are. Saturday? Oh, we are going to be there till the bitter end. We're going to be watching names peeling off yeah. the board in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, Bogman. I mean, we are, uh, Ooh. we're going to be the hardcore draft. And your Packers got two first round picks. You're, uh, yeah, you, you got to be pumped, man. That's going to be such a great time. I'm jealous. Um, let, let's go down the list here. We both have Isaiah Spiller at three um look it's hard for me to uh compliment an aggie but when you're watching spiller's tape the reason i have him at three and i think the draft network has him at one uh you have been high on him during the entire process it's the vision for me i don't think that spiller is going to be a guy that uh runs past everyone i don't think he's going to make a lot of big explosive plays but you know who else didn't Le'Veon bell Le'Veon Bell was not an explosive playmaker uh, in the NFL. Uh, really, at any point in his career, he just consistently made plays. The thing that that I see with, when I watch Isaiah Spiller is his vision is, is almost second to none. He he knows exactly where he's going with the ball, and if there's a little bit of daylight, he has enough wiggle to get through there and to make a guy miss, which is more than enough. If it was just enough wiggle to do one of the two to get through, and then he's never going to make a guy miss and he's going to fall over. Then he's Dexter Williams. Right. But I think he has enough. He has good enough vision to be ahead of all the defenders uh, to start the play. And he has enough wiggle to make a guy miss. So I think Isaiah Spiller can make an impact in the NFL. I know a lot of people are divided on him, but you're a fan. What, what is it that you like about Spiller? I think if I was going to use one adjective to describe him, I would use polished. Yeah, I think that's he one. strikes me as a guy who is going to uh, fit pretty seamlessly into the NFL. But then again, I don't know, Boggs, because I thought the same thing about Monte Ball when he was coming out of Wisconsin, <laughs> like a guy who just 
like knew where to go, good vision, good footwork, not the fastest guy, but I thought that's the game the would translate. That that that's the follow the fullback at Wisconsin. That's all he had to do. <laughs> There's not many fullbacks. Yes. Uh, in the NFL, that was uh, a lot of people had concerns about Leonard Fournette coming out because he is a follow the fullback type of RB, right? And then you get to the NFL, there's not many are there's not many fullbacks, but Leonard Fournette had so much athleticism. Spiller doesn't have that, but he has the smarts and the enough quickness to make him a good running yep. back in the NFL. And I, quick quickness, yes. Yeah. So he is. Yes. I don't think he's going to be another Monte Ball, lest anyone think I was describing <laughs> him to that. So uh, tell tell me this, Boggs. Let me ask you something, uh-huh. since you know sure. I think we we both kind of like Spiller, but I have no idea what the NFL scouting community thinks of Spiller. So if I were to give you a hundred bucks to correctly identify which round Spiller is drafted in, what would you bet? Uh, I would put it in round four. That, that, yeah. that's what I would say, because I do think there are other running backs in this class that we're going to talk about, uh, in a second here. But, uh, I think that there are many teams that are looking at a specific style of running back. They want a grinder like Brian Robinson. They want a pass catcher like uh, James white. And there's plenty of those other backs that do, uh, you know, a certain thing better. There's guys that are better power backs. There's guys that are, uh, better receiving options than Isaiah Spiller, but there's no other back outside of the top two that we mentioned in uh, Hall and Walker that put it all together. Like you said, the polish is really, really what Spiller has. And I think if I was using one superlative, it'd be cerebral. I think the guy's smart. I think he has a plan on every single play because you see there is no hesitation. There's no dancing in the backfield. There's no wasted movement from Isaiah Spiller when he gets a ball in his hands and he starts rolling towards the line. And I think that is the difference between him and a lot of the other backs in this class. Um, so let's go down the list here because we both have the same number four as well. And I think this is more about uh, upside and potential because I think Brian Robinson will end up at some point being a better back than Isaiah Spiller. The reason that I have Spiller I ranked Ahead of him is because Spiller comes in and he's polished. He's good to go. You can put him in a three down roll right now today. If Brian Robinson lands in one of those spots that we mentioned before, um, Kansas City, uh, Cincinnati, Baltimore, you know, these offenses that are very, very good with the L.A. Rams uh, for whatever reason, you know, these offenses that are really, really good that already have an established player. He's going to be a rollback. He's going to be a goal line and a short yardage back and change of pace guy. But if he ends up in Houston, Atlanta, somewhere like that, I would definitely put Brian Robinson ahead of Spiller, depending on landing spot. But I definitely put him ahead of Spiller because now it's day one. He is probably going to be the guy. Uh, What are your thoughts on Brian Spiller? And can your ranking between Spiller and Robinson flip depending on landing spot here? It could flip. Boggs, especially if Spiller winds up going like late fifth or something like that. And we see Robinson go in day or uh, round three, round three. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that could happen because we've got in Robinson, we've got a guy whose size NFL teams are going to appreciate. They're going to appreciate that he comes from a glamorous program and has played a lot of games under the Klieg lights of the SEC. Like, And as Waldman talked about when he was on our show, Robinson can actually catch passes. 
Like he's got yeah. pretty good hands. So um, although we don't see him being a third down back, but hey, teams throw to their backs on first. He's and better than down. Damian Harris at catching, though. I think you know yes, another Bama yes. back that is a thumper and has tons of value. I think Robinson does that better than him, right? Yeah. So and as a result, I think we're going to get a certain degree of safety and draft capital with Robinson. I don't think he falls beyond the fourth round. And I think there's a good chance he goes in the third round. So um, he could absolutely leapfrog Spiller for me. And I, I get yeah. the sense that you feel the same. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, you know, uh, the draft, the, the round matters a lot in terms of just perception uh, around the league and who's going to get uh, the, you know, a higher opportunity first. Of course, running back is the one position where, you take a guy off the scrap heap and put him in there. That's exact, exactly what James Robinson was. You know, uh, Arian Foster made an incredible career being a guy that was undrafted and, and came in and just ended up winning a job and looked better as a pro than these guys do in college. Austin Eckler, another guy like that. Yeah, you know, Boggs, you're a baseball guy. It's like the closer mm-hmm. position in baseball. Yes. Sometimes you don't have to be good to be the closer. Sometimes you just have to get the opportunity. Just got to get a shot. Right, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Moving down this list here, um, let's do your list, and we'll read off my list, and we'll go through some of these guys. Uh, You have Rashad White at five, Zamir White at six, then Damian Pierce from Florida at seven, Jerome Ford from Cincy at eight, James Cook from Georgia at nine, and Kennedy Brooks from Oklahoma at ten. For me, I've got Zamir White at five. I have James Cook at six, you know, planting flags. I've kind of talked about both those guys. Rashad White, I have at seven. I have Damian Pierce from Florida at eight. Ty Chandler, who is not on your list, I have him at nine. Then Jerome Ford from Cincinnati at number 10. So uh, let's start with um, Rashad White. You have him at five. I have him at seven. I think, you know, in our most recent three-round mock that we did over on the Fantasy Fantasy Pros uh, football show with Erickson, myself, Debro, and Pizapia, we kind of collabed on that second and third round. And I was hitting the hammer for Rashad White to Kansas City. I think that's a perfect uh, landing spot for him. I think he can play. He can split out and play a little bit of wide receiver. Not that it's something you're going to ask a rookie to do very often, but I think he can be a gadgety type of player. Plus, I was all in on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Hasn't worked out, obviously. He's been banged up. He's shown flashes, and he is a good back, but he hasn't put it all together for a season yet. So. I think Rashad White is a guy that would be perfect there. Is Kansas City the perfect landing spot, or would you like to see him in one of those bigger roles like uh, Atlanta or Houston? Pretty close to perfect, and I would like to see Rashad White go someplace that maybe has a decent uh, offensive infrastructure, and Mm -hmm. I don't think he really gets that if he goes to Atlanta or Houston. But I'll tell you what, Boggs. I mean, with pretty much all the guys after Brian Robinson, like all the remaining – Six guys after that, and probably another three, four, six guys after that. I'm really agnostic about um, these guys. As far, like, I'm going to be flip flopping like yeah. crazy after like my ranks at running back beyond number four are going to radically change after the draft. Like I've, and it's not really flip flopping when you gather new information, it's right, changing. Right. right because yeah. I mean, do you have any confidence about where, how the NFL feels about any of these guys? Like I think maybe a guy like James cook is probably a safe. He has bats. a role. 
Yes. Yeah, he he's gonna he's gonna get drafted to one of those teams like I, I talked about before, where we think Brian Robinson and Isaiah Spiller are more complete. James White is not complete, but he's gonna have a role, which is nice for him because I think he's better than his perceived role, which is why I planted my flag on James Cook is because I think that he is going to be better than his perceived role, and he's gonna get to display it early, which yeah. is nice because he's gonna be a third down back to begin. You, uh, you- but. And Boggs, you call him James White, but it was a Freudian slip because yeah. he's going to be James oh. White for someone, yeah. basically, with a li- maybe a little more juice. I think he's faster. You yeah, know, yeah. And, I think and he's a better was, playmaker, right? And yeah. he's a better between the tackles guy, too. You know, and his I, brother's Dalvin Cook, right? A first round, right. uh, a, a first round talent. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that was a Freudian slip if I call him James White. Yeah, James Cook. Uh, he, he's already ticketed for a role, so he gets to display his skill immediately, which is something yeah. that we, we can all get behind. Yep. And I, I don't know if James White was a fifth or sixth, but I think Cook is probably going to be a fourth or fifth. Um, right. It seems that way. But some of these other guys, like I have no idea. Samir White. James Cook the, ain't getting out of the fourth, by the way. No way. You think? Not getting, you think I, I think it's going in the fourth. Yeah. I'll yeah. be surprised if he goes past the fourth. Uh, Zamir White, I think, is a guy that NFL teams actually do like. And this is a guy that I think the community liked a little bit more than me. And I kind of had to be convinced to look at his tape because I was so all in on James Cook. I was like, I mean, Zamir White guy got usurped by uh, by Cook, you know, so I don't know. And then I watched him like they just had to get both these guys on the field. They're both very, very good. And that's, you know, they just won a natty. So they had a lot of talent. Right. So I think both these guys could be better pros than they were in college because they had to split and play with each other. Uh, in college so it'd be hilarious if they're both drafted to like houston or atlanta or something but uh then they could just reprise their roles and and be very very good for a different team but um yeah i i think zamir white's probably the safest bet uh out of the rest of these guys because i do think that they like him but but like you said pierce ford brooks uh for me i have pierce and ford in here i have ty chandler i just think uh, like i said i think uh, I think Ty Chandler is Willie Parker that can catch. And Willie Parker had a couple great years in the NFL. Didn't have a very long career. Um, you know, as soon as that, that speed, all he had was straight line speed. So as soon as that speed evaporated, he was nothing. A lot of dancing in the backfield, a lot of indecision from Willie Parker. I think Ty Chandler is a crisper Willie Parker. That can catch. So I think that he has a chance to uh, make an impact. But any any other um, thoughts on Pierce or uh or Cook or, or um, uh, Brooks. I know you have Kennedy Brooks on this list as well. Yeah, just nothing really, Boggs, just waiting to see where these guys go. I mean, there, right. there are things to like about all these guys. Uh, you know, Pierce didn't really get much of an opportunity to take on a lead role at Florida, but maybe we thought he could. Like, we've talked about Kennedy Brooks uh, you know, from Oklahoma and how we think maybe he's sort of underrated, but does the NFL feel that way? So, right. Uh, and, and I also have no idea how NFL teams feel about Jerome Ford. Like there, it seems like there's a lot to like there, but who knows? I think Jerome Ford is probably going to come in as a change of pace back. Like if he went to Denver, it's all Javante Williams. And then here comes Ford, you know, when James uh, Javante Williams needs a, uh, a breather, uh, you know, a, a little bit of time off. So um, I, I, I think that's how they view him and we'll see where he gets drafted. Uh, now, now, let me ask you this, because I know it's the opposite. Uh, when you're making the wide receivers uh, list, the top 10, you want to put like 10 more in uh, yes. for the running backs. It's probably not like that. Is there any other 
were, were you like, thank God I got Kennedy Brooks and I'm done? Or was it like, man, I wish I could put X, Y, or Z on this list as well? I just tweeted something about this the other day. Like Tyler Beatty kind of intrigues me okay. just because he- Another guy that's a role guy, like like uh, Cook. I, I think he is ticketed for a third down role to start his career. That could earn him more playing time, right? Right. And this is despite coming from a Missouri program where he did it all for them. Like he had over and that's three- in the SEC. That's against right. good competition. Right. And, and the Missouri offense was bad. It was a bad offense. They had a bad passing game. They had no one else really to run the ball. And Beatty was just this complete workhorse. He was like Walter Payton on the old Bears of the late (laughs) 70s when they had nothing around him. Uh, You know, okay, a Walter Payton comp is a little uh, pie in the sky, maybe. (laughs) And, you know, Beatty is is 5'8". It's a a well-built 5'8". I think he's like 194, 195, something like that. But, I mean, he's small. Yeah. Uh, Small and quick. But, man, I mean, he did it against SEC teams who knew he was getting the ball and he was still able to put up numbers. So I'm kind of intrigued by him. Ultimately, like, do I think he's going to have any sort of uh, real fantasy relevant career? Probably a long shot, but he does sort of intrigue me as a guy. Hey, I've got a fourth round pick in my pocket in a fantasy, in a dynasty rookie draft. Beatty might be a guy I take a shot on. I like um, I like Pierre Strong from South Dakota State a little bit. Uh, I got a little bit of love for Jerry Ely as well. Um, Keontae Ingram, just because I watched him play at Texas, I know he can be – he he's a little inconsistent, but he could have uh, a decent impact as well. So those are a couple other names just to think about outside of the top 10. Uh, now the big dog, the the wide receivers here, Pat, and yes. it's uh, it's tough because we, we're jumbled up here. Um, uh, in where we like, we have the same top five as does uh, almost everyone. There are sites that have, you know, other guys uh, popping into this top five, which is not surprising, but this list I was annoyed with because, you know, I love Jalen Tolbert. He's probably my favorite player in this draft. I couldn't get him in the top 10 wide receivers. I just couldn't do it. So uh, there's so many good ones, but let's start out uh, on the top five and I'm just going to blast them all off here for Pat is Drake London from USC Garrett Wilson, number two, from Ohio State. Jamison Williams from Bama, number three. Chris Olave from Ohio State, number four. And Traylon Burks, number five, from Arkansas. For me, I'm going to put it. This was tough because I had Burks as as my top guy for uh, most of, of the process. But I just, you know, I do my second, third look at Jamison Williams. I can't not have him number one. So he's my number one, even with the injury out of Alabama. Uh, Traylon Burks is my two. Garrett Wilson's my three. I'm going to have Chris Olave at four and Drake London at five. So you and I have flipped. I've got London at five. You have him at one. So I have kept, I keep saying that he is somewhere between Mike Evans and Nikhil Harry. That's a big window, right? Because these are big wide receivers that don't separate particularly well. Um, but I think it's more likely that he's Mike Evans than he's Nikhil Harry. So if he is Mike Evans, if you could put Mike Evans in this draft, everyone would take him number one, right? So that is what it seems like. That's what you're seeing out of Drake London. It is. And I'm hoping, I I think the odds say he's closer to Mike Evans while not getting quite to the Mike Evans level. But if you're going to put money on any of these guys to score the most touchdowns, I think in their first three NFL seasons, I would bet Drake London. And that's ultimately why I put him there, Boggs. But for me, with these top, 
excuse me, with these top five guys for me, like, I don't think I could slide a credit card between <laughs> any of the two as far as, uh, you know, just the, the little tight. crevices. It is really tight. Yeah, like, they're all talented. They're all extremely yeah. talented. And I could make a case for pretty much ordering these top five any which way. Yeah, and that's kind of the point. That's why I just burned through the top five here. Uh, for me, Jamison Williams, number one, the dude is just always open. He's always open. It's barely ever a play. I know, you know, wide receivers are divas. They always say they're always open. This guy is. He's just constantly open. I know he had the ACL tear in January. And he's going to miss probably a significant amount, if not all, of his rookie season. Um, but we've seen, you know, that, that is getting less of a knock you out for a year injury every single time in the Achilles. It's just, we're getting better medically, I guess, or more proficient at least in the recovery time is better for these guys. So I could see him making an impact year one. Um, I have Traylon Burks number two. I understand why you have him at number five. Uh, it's because his route running is gross it's not as good as anyone else on this list it's not even close to anyone else on this list but i think his athleticism is just as good if not better um uh, he can moss guys uh he can break a tackle he can burn a, a guy deep i think he can do a little bit of everything he was used as like a, in a debo role at arkansas so it's tough i think Traylon burks is going to move the most depending on landing spot out of all of these guys though is that is that true with you as well yeah and uh Thinking specifically of landing spots, we know the Jets are probably going to take a receiver. There's a good chance the Falcons and Washington Commanders take a receiver. There's an excellent chance the Packers wind up with one of these guys and uh, a pretty good chance the Saints wind up with one of these guys. And, and maybe Philly too. And the Saints might be kind of a low-key, interesting landing spot with uh, Jameis Winston forcing the ball downfield. Maybe Michael Thomas being shipped at some point because he doesn't seem real happy in the big easy, but Boggs, if any of these guys go to the Packers, any of your yeah. top five, are they automatically your number one for dynasty? Um, yeah, unless somebody else ends up in Kansas city. I think I have to say yes to that. I think Kansas city just long-term working with Pat Mahomes, you know, because sure. who knows how long Aaron Rodgers is going to be around. Um, you know, it could be just this year. It could be a couple more years. Guy could play till he's 50, like Tom Brady and just keep doing this off season nonsense every single year, which I know you hope doesn't happen. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, yeah, I think those scenarios, green Bay and Kansas city specifically are the two spots where now you got to have an eyebrow raise and there's guys below these top five that if they go to those scenarios could end up like, well, now we got to reevaluate and look at these guys a little bit more because they are playing with uh, outstanding QBs. Um, Chris Olave is just, uh, you said it before, polish. I think Garrett Wilson has a lot of that too. Uh, they're just complete wide receivers that are solid and um, they're both so fast and Olave great with the routes. Garrett Wilson, probably a little bit better on a deep ball. Um, your thoughts on the Ohio state guys. Yeah. So um, with Olave, the interesting thing, I mean, like I agree, polish and speed, like best route runner in the class. Probably should have come out last year. Olave probably should have come out last year. Yeah. Best route runner in the class and sub four, four speed. Those are the pluses. The, the minuses are, uh, there's really just one. He's not a yards after the catch guy. He goes down easy. Um, and typically the guys who are not yards after the catch guys, the guys who are big air yards guys who don't get a lot of yards after the catch, they look like Mike Evans generally. 
Yeah. <laughs> a lot. They don't look like Chris Olave. So that's kind of a, you know, Garrett Wilson, his teammate is a yak guy, probably yeah. the best yak guy in this class other than maybe Jamison Williams. But um, yeah, that so that's the, the one possible hang up I have about Olave. But overall, I like Olave a lot. Like, I think he's just such a, a finished product that I'm not yeah. too worried about the, the lack of yards after the catch. But both of these guys, yeah, I think have pretty high floors. Yeah, yeah. All 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 these top five have extremely high floors. At number six, uh, you've got George Pickens. I've got Jahan Dotson. And number seven, I have George Pickens. You have Christian Watson. You have got Jahan Dotson at number eight. I have John Mechie at number eight. And number nine, you have Sky Moore. I also have Sky Moore at nine. And then 10, you have David Bell. And I have Christian Watson. So uh pickens let's just start with him let's go through these guys uh maybe pick up pace a little bit here but uh pickens is a guy he's a he's in that top five uh in terms of skill uh he may even be better physically than everybody in this class but he's got a first round talent uh a body he's got a seven round brain you know that that's kind of what it comes to. It seems like he didn't interview uh, very well either, and he is going to drop in the draft process because of it. He has a first round talent, seventh round head, like I said. So I think that's probably going to put him late in the second. Yeah, I wish I remember who wrote the article where we saw some uh, scouts quoted anonymously and some wide receivers coaches. I think it might have been Bob McGinn, but I'm not totally sure about that. So uh, don't hold me to it. But the comments about Pickens were not very flattering as far as his uh, how he was received in interviews and, and how people feel about him. So absolutely, like if he was a, um, you know, just a, a impeccable worker. I think we'd be seeing him as a slam dunk first rounder, but now it looks like he's going to slide into the second and maybe well into the second. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I mean, dude is a talent, but uh got to get that head screwed on. Tight. And, and, and sometimes that's all it takes. Dalvin cook was kind of that guy yep. uh, and know, that's coming out of Florida state. And you know, he seemed to be on the straight and narrow ever since. And that's what one of the uh, wide receivers coaches said, Boggs, like he needs to go someplace where there is a good veteran safety net in place to kind of like keep him on the right track. And as we know, dynasty managers do not give a crap about character as long as a guy scores <laughs> fantasy points. So uh, for the most part, I won't say that they totally disregard character, of but uh, we can look the other way if uh, guys are helping our fantasy teams most of the time. Uh, Jahan Dotson, I have at six, you have at eight for me. It's um, it's the speed and it is the game speed. It's not just the, you know, uh, all we saw everyone run like historic 40 times that were actually clocked incorrectly at the combine. You know, uh, everyone said, look, if Jamison Williams was running in this, he would have ran a three, nine, eight. Right. Uh, because of the times were so off. Um, Jahan Dotson, it's it's the film speed. For me, it is the fact that he plays against the Big Ten and he looks like a varsity player playing on JV in the Big Ten. Um, Tyreek Hill has that. I don't know that any other NFL player has. No, I don't know if any other player will get to that Tyreek uh, Hill level. Like um, we saw the, I think it was a stat of, you know, since 2015 runs over 21 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour. And it's like Tyreek Hill 45 and the next highest was like 16. You know, uh, Jahan Dotson has that game breaking, game changing type of speed that I love. Um, you know, slide a frame, 
You know, he, he's not gigantic like Burks or London. He's not as crisp in his routes as Olave. He's not as complete or a yak guy as um, Garrett Wilson. But the unbelievable speed is why I have him at six. Is that what you like about him too? It is. And uh, you mentioned Tyreek Hill. Like Tyreek Hill Boggs, I think Dotson has that thing for a little receiver. I'm sh- always amazed at how good he is at balls in the air. Like he is yeah, super competitive tracking. on these contested catches. Like he's a great tracker and he can like pick the ball away from bigger defenders. So I like him. It was, yeah. yeah, man, it was hard for me to put him below George Pickens and Christian Watson. But I think with those guys and their bigger frames, there's like a little more upside there. And that's the only reason. But again, one through five, really tight for me. Six through eight, really tight for me. Six through nine, really with, with Sky Moore too. Yeah, I mean, well, let's talk about Sky Moore because you have him at nine. Uh, I also have him at nine. So uh, Sky Moore is a guy that is he's he's you know no no pun intended slotted to play the slot in the NFL, but he spent his whole career Western Michigan on the outside. So I think he's going to be able to do both. My perfect landing spot for Moore would be Houston with Davis Mills because you can work him on the outside. You can slide Brandon cooks over to the slot. If Brandon cooks isn't traded uh, during this draft process, which is another thing that, you know, people forget about, but could definitely happen during the draft. You're going to see a lot of player movement uh, during this draft for sure. But um, I think that's a perfect spot because he can then, he can earn his way into a number one role very quickly with Davis mills in Houston. Uh, What is it that you like about sky Moore, And do you have a perfect landing spot for him? So what I liked about him was his uh, highlight film, which was a really fun watch. I, I didn't watch a lot of Western Michigan games, Boggs, but like when no? I saw him, no. I, when I no saw him, I was... No action in your life? Come on. <laughs> a little action every once in a while. But um, <laughs> got to admit, though, I was kind of uh, unfamiliar with Moore's game, was really impressed with the tape and just wasn't sure how he was going to be viewed in the NFL community. And now obviously like they're sold on him. I think his over under on where he goes in the draft is like 37 and a half. Now, like he's a guy who could conceivably sneak into the first round. Uh, I mean, in Peter King's mock, I wait, was it? No, maybe it was Peter King had him, uh, had the Packers taking Dotson. Never mind. Okay. Um, but yeah, Packers so, would be a good spot for him too. He can play on the outside and he and is a little undersized for the Packers though. The Packers like those big guys. They do. They do. They're a measurables team. And and Peter King had them trading up to take Dotson, which I don't think we're going to see happen. But uh, Sky Moore <laughs> could sneak into the first round. I've seen some people pairing him with the Chiefs, Boggs. That would be pretty Ooh. interesting. I mean, I don't know if I see that happening because they've got Juju as as their primary slot. At least that's where Juju has mostly played throughout his career. So he we'll can see. play on the outside too, but I think Moore can do both also. And we yeah. saw, we saw, you know, Tyreek Hill is a smaller guy that played mainly on the outside for Kansas City. So I think that fit isn't terrible. You know, probably have to trade up in the second to get him, or maybe trade back from the first and collect a couple more spots to take him, unless they wanted to burn a first round pick on him. You know, they're one of those teams that said that you know we only have 16 guys that are first round talent uh, on our board or whatever or 18 whatever the number was that Veach said but that's definitely a possibility um yeah. so talk, Kansas City would be a great spot so talk to me about Mechie sell me uh, on Mechie so Mechie would definitely be in this top 5 if not for his injury and James Williams is despite his injury Mechie isn't it's the the number one the work ethic uh, the guy is he's you know, a guy that shows up, he does whatever role there they ask him to do. He sat behind all of these guys at Alabama and he's kind of been overlooked. It, this isn't a 
people are going to laugh at me for this comp because he is hurt right now. Mechie is, but Will Fuller without that injury type of scare is, is what I see. And we've seen Will Fuller put up some monster numbers when he's healthy. I think Mechie is going to be a guy that we forget about in this class that is going to go after a lot of these buzzy names like Christian Watson, who, you know, wasn't big coming into the process, but has earned his, you know, you know, his look right now through the pre-draft process by, you know, being great at the combine, being great at the, um, you know, senior bowl practices and all that stuff. I think that Watson is a guy that we're going to, we're going to think about him first before we think about John Mechie, but Mechie's going to return kicks and punts. He is going to uh, get open. He can uh, make a guy miss either with speed or with his moves. And um, he's an incredibly hard worker. So I think Mechie is going to be a guy that is a little bit of an afterthought in this process and is going to make an impact uh, very, very quickly. We'll see when he gets back, obviously, coming off the injury. And the, I believe he got hurt in the SEC title game, and then Williams got hurt in the um, the natty. So, um, you know, both these guys from Bama. You know, Bama recruits. They, they know what to do. They recruit very well. So Mechie is definitely a guy that I'm going to love. Um, Christian Watson, um, I have at 10. The thing for me that I didn't really know was the drop problem. And I looked and it's like someone tweeted out, I can't remember, 12% drop rate is just terrible. So this is almost, this is the, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Apollo 13, and I apologize to people who li- listen to me a bunch because I've used this many, many times. Like, all right, when, when they're trying to get a couple more amps to work, make everything work for their, uh, you know, getting home back to earth, they said, well, let's scrap the parachutes. And they said, well, if the parachutes don't go off, then what's the point? Right. What's the point of doing this all? That's kind of what Watson is like. If you get open, you burn a guy, you run pretty decent routes for being a, you know, a FCS level prospect and you get wide open and it hits you in your hands and you drop it. What's the point? He is going to be frustrating. He has to work. He's got to get even his head coach said he's got to get out there and work on the jugs machine. Um, hands are something that can be fixed, but I just I I fear a little bit of that frustration but the guy is a physical freak he's a monster and this is almost like putting him in green bay to me is almost automatic because he has that you know megatron type of of uh combine and measurables and that is what they do and they need him and they interviewed every single wide receiver in this class multiple times so i think christian watson to green bay is a perfect fit and i think you would be very happy with that right Interesting re- possibility as a replacement for a guy, Devontae Adams, who had major problems with drops early in his career, Bogman, and overcame yeah. that and wound up becoming this uh, you know, prolific superstar. So, yes, um, my one concern about the Green Bay landing spot is that does he have the polish that mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers sort of demands of a rookie receiver? I picture Olave as being the perfect fit for Rodgers. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's hard to argue with the size speed combination that Watson brings to the table. And that's, I think, why you have to like why he's going to go in the first round of a lot of fantasy drafts, because there's such intoxicating upside there. You know, <laughs> that's a good I mean, that's a good way to describe it. Intoxicating upside. Uh, you have David Bell. Uh, you've kind of been, um, you know, I'll, I'll dad joke you here as if you're doing the show with Pisa Pia, the bell ringer for bell. I, I think you, you're yeah, I, in my brain, you're the bell guy. So I don't know if, if you feel that way or if, um, 
Maybe it's just because you like him more than me and we do this show together. Uh, but do you consider yourself a bell guy? I do. I do. I think I'm kind of a, a flag planter there. And it's just, uh, you know, having seen his game, I, I'm hoping that he turns out to be another Anquan Bolden, a guy with, uh, you know, very ordinary speed who just knows how to get open and uh, like is going to turn himself into a really good NFL possession receiver. But, you know, I'm not after nine. My confidence starts to erode a little bit. I, mm -hmm. I wrestled with putting Bell over Khalil Shakir who I also like and is probably a little bit safer. Yeah, uh, I'd agree I, with that. I do think he's safer. Um, tell me about your near misses, Boggs. I, I know there's one oh, in particular. Man. Yeah, Jalen Tolbert. Is yeah, he, he would have been my 12 for sure. Yeah, he, he um, you know, I'm not fully convinced that I wouldn't put him ahead of Christian Watson right now. So mm. uh, because I like, he gives me strong Deontay Johnson vibes of a guy from a smaller school that kind of gets overlooked. But when you put on the tape from from Jalen uh, from Tolbert, what you see is a guy that uh, makes the unbelievable catches routinely, and that is what I saw from Deontay Johnson too. Um, you know, he he gets open often. He needs to work a little bit against press, but so many of you could say that for every wide receiver because they barely face press in college. Most of the time you're given a little space in college because you don't want those guys to torture corners corners in college football are not very good, right there. Uh, Cause if, if you're long and athletic, you're a wide receiver. If you're taller than six, five or, or bigger, you're a tight end or a defensive end. That's just what it is. You put your most athletic fast guys at wide receiver starting from high school. So that's just the way it works. So they're not facing press a lot. You know, you're not locking up on a mod Gardner and Derek Stingley in every single game. So you're uh, chasing a guy that's going to be selling cars in uh, two years. So, um, you know, so they're giving a little cushion to these guys. So Tolbert, while he, that is the knock of his game is getting off press. If that's it, man, put him in the slot. Who cares? Guy's going to make plays for you. I love uh, Tolbert. I mean, there are a lot of guys in this class. Alec uh, Pierce uh, ma made his presence felt at the Combine. I've been a Wondell Robinson guy. Really like him. I got like Tyquan Thornton, who I'm not very big on, but showed up at the Combine. Kyle Phillips showed up at the Shrine Bowl. Uh, Danny Gray is loved by a lot of scouts. Calvin Austin is loved by a lot of scouts. So this wide receiver class is very deep. Uh, are there any other misses that you want to talk about before we go to tight ends here? No, the, you pretty much covered it. Yeah, it is uh, much deeper and it was much harder to, you know, whereas we talked about running back, some of these guys could go anywhere, like yeah. pretty much all the top 10, like have specific over under numbers of where they're going, going to go in the draft. Like you can bet where most of the top 10 guys are going precisely yeah. in the draft. Like we know how the NFL feels about these guys. We don't know so much with the running backs. Uh, now the tight ends, tight ends are easier. We have the same top four, which surprised me a little bit because there are good players here. But once again, we're fantasy guys first. So it didn't surprise me that much, you know? So number one for us, Trey McBride from Colorado state has been the whole process. Greg Dolkich made a little bit of noise uh, during the, um, the shrine bowl and stuff like that. Uh, but he is firmly two behind Trey McBride. Are, are you, uh, that's how we both have it listed here. Is yep. it McBride in a tier by himself? Then Dolkich and Ruckert for you. Yep, exactly. And then after Same. that, I have no confidence in anyone after number three, none. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm very with you. I, because there are guys that I like more in terms of them getting on the field. I like Bellinger from San Diego state. I think he's going to get on the field fast because he can block. I think Kate Otten can block. Uh, he's going to get yep. on the field 
first two. But in terms of catching passes for fantasy purposes, those guys leave a little bit to be desired. I do think Bellinger is in the same type of, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about Ruckert on this podcast whenever we talk about tight ends, that he was underutilized at Ohio State because they had Garrett Wilson, because they had um, Chris Olave, because they had um, Travion Henderson and uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is going to be the number one wide receiver off the board probably next season. They have all these weapons. They didn't have to throw the ball to Ruckert. So if he ends up in a spot where they will actually throw him the football, uh, he is going to be way underrated in terms of fantasy. So we both like him. Uh, Dolkic is a pure pass catcher that can block, so he should be on the field fairly quickly depending on his landing spot. Um, and then after that, we both have Jelani Woods at four because he's a physical freak, and he yes. ran great number, great numbers at the Combine. He is a guy that I, how much would you love to see him in Tennessee, right? Uh, I yeah. mean, it's Good A.J. Theory. Brown and nobody. Right. Yeah. So Jelani Woods would be amazing. And they've used these pass catching tight ends like Cook before. Uh, so I think he would be uh, great there. And then number five, um, my number five is Isaiah Likely because he catches a lot of passes. He's kind of a the problem with Isaiah Likely. And I know D bro doesn't like him is that he could easily be Kelvin Benjamin, a guy that's not big enough to block, but too big enough to to not beat um, any of these um, defenders and have a guy draped around him all the time. Didn't run a good time uh, at the combine either, but I th feel like his play speed is better he played against lower level. You know, uh, he's a G five guy out of coastal Carolina. So he's a little questionable, but he was very productive in college. So I like that uh, for you. You have Jake Ferguson because you are a massive Homer. Is that correct? It is because I'm a massive Homer Bogman, but uh, you know, I thought about likely, I thought about likely Otten Bellinger, uh, Charlie Kohler, but ultimately, right. I mean, Ferguson has been Wisconsin's best pass catcher for the last two or three years. Like he is, if he succeeds in the NFL, it's going to be as a pass catcher and he's not a terrible blocker either. So he's uh, maybe kind Good of blocker. a, a yeah, he's he's sort of a lower middle class dulkish. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, is there any other tight end that you see in this class? That you go, you know, depending on landing spot, maybe for them. Yeah, just the just the the Kohler, Otten, Bellinger class, okay. pretty much. What about you? A Conquo, uh out of Maryland. Yeah, uh, under sleeper, sleeper. Very much so. A great, great combine. But I remember watching, I think I was watching the Maryland spring game a couple of years back. And I'm like, who is the monster at tight end that is just catching every ball and trucking everybody? And it was Chigazima Conquo. And uh, I, you know, had, you know, he had Lil Tua as his quarterback at Maryland, which is all right. You know, not he ain't regular to it. I'll say that. Right. So, um, you know, not nearly as good. Also, doesn't have the Alabama offensive line blocking for him and all that stuff. But um, I think a Conquo is a guy that if he overcomes his size deficit, because the rest of these guys are, you know, I mean, Woods is six seven. Uh, these other guys are mainly six five, six four. He's six two and a half. He's a little bit shorter. Wasn't asked to block a ton, so he's probably ticketed for a third down roll early, special teams roll early. But this is a guy that physically is so much faster than linebackers and a lot of corners and safeties that if he does get the opportunity, could absolutely be a sleeper, as you mentioned before. Um, but I think that's it. Any other uh, any other guys we want to talk about or is that everything? Fitz? I think that's it, Boggs. Just got to see how uh, how it all plays out over Man, those so three days. Jealous. 
so jealous to be going. I, I we expect copious amount of pictures on Twitter, of course, and uh, and all that stuff. And don't think I'm not going to be hitting you up in the middle of that. I'm going to be hitting you up on, on, on our Slack <laughs> and all that stuff uh, to to see what the live reactions are are like. But remember, you can follow him on the Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. What do you have coming up outside of going to Vegas for the draft? Yeah, so that's pretty much it for me. But I know my colleagues are going to be doing uh, live streams, as you mentioned, at the top of the show. That's Thursday night during the draft. Uh, we're going to have the chat open during the live stream. And uh, I think people should check out our Discord, too, because as you know, I mean, you hang out in Discord. A mm -hmm. lot of our analysts are going to be dropping by and, and talking to the people there. And it's a lively conversation. We have some great members. So um, check out those live streams Thursday and Friday and uh, pop into our Discord. It's going to be a, a great draft, man. And I'm going to try, I'm, I'm live streaming over on ITL for, for the NFL draft for our Patreon subscribers. Um, and I know, uh, it's one, days one and two here. So I'm going to try to sneak D bro and, uh, Pisa Pia and Erickson. I wish Pat wasn't in Vegas, but you're going to be enjoying it, but I'm going to try to sneak them in on Saturday, uh, to, to see if, if they can come in and talk a little bit of NFL draft with me during that, uh, first two days I do behind the wall on Patreon. And the last day I do open on YouTube. So you can check that out, youtube.com slash in this league. And thank you for bringing up the Discord because I want to remind you guys in the Dynasty community, if you want to talk to, to me on Discord, I'm there every single Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I could use a little bit bigger crowds. But we've been, I tell you what, I've been answering questions thoroughly for people on there because my crowds haven't been so big. So come on in. I would love to get more questions and join me. Maybe I can sucker Pat into coming in one or two times. Uh, on that as well with me and i will return the favor and do uh some of your stages as well because those are fun it's just fun answering questions and and talking to people about their thoughts and, and draft strategy and everything else and look you know we're not above learning too we, we learn a lot doing that uh answering questions as well so uh you follow me on the twitter at bogman sports at fits underscore ff for fitzy enjoy the draft man we will see you guys next week take it easy everybody Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. 
you simply add Smile Actives Gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling.